Hello. Good to see a bunch of smiling faces, including uh, those of you that I've met so far and those of you that I haven't. Hi, my name is TJ. It's good to see uh, Pastor Craig and his wife here uh, representing the state. So I will try not to get too rowdy today. Um, <clears throat> but I, I heard you guys are a group of people that like to have a good time. Yeah. That yeah. yeah, that you guys have an identity that she's already shared, um, Anita, when she came forward, of, that you guys are making a difference. We got a chance to see some of that um, yesterday in the Live Love Day, and so we're excited. Um, this is sunshine for us. Uh, we're from the Pacific Northwest. We're from Washington. Yes. Go Hawks. There are some people who have already received truth at this church, so I'm, I'm encouraged by that as well. Uh, and so we're excited to be here. My wife, Courtney, is up here in front, as they said. We have uh, three wonderful children, um, Trey, who is Trey because he's the third. So my full name is Talalotu Elakana Samuelu Jr. There'll be a quiz after. So when I forget your name, I just usually use that one. Um, but if there is that, uh, we have, so he's Trey. He's the third. He's the oldest. He's five. Our daughter, Elikana, is four, and then our youngest is Isaiah, and he is 17 months. And so we are missing them dearly, but we are excited to be with you guys. Um, I talked with Gary. You guys have been having him. He uh, prepared me, and he said, go ahead. They're prepared. They're conditioned. You can go for three hours this morning. So I'm ready for that. <laughs> All right. So... Um, Thank you, Sarah, for the, the worship this morning. That was great. Give her a hand in the team. That's great. One of the things that uh, I was, and I was putting this together and, and wanting to, um, I knew that this was going to be a great church. And part of the way that I know that, and I know that you guys are going through the throes of it as well, um, we currently are going through at the church I'm serving at right now, a senior pastor transition. And I know what that looks like. And I know the uncertainty that comes with that. And I know that there's some things. But no matter who comes and what this looks like, my challenge to you guys is remember that this is Christ's church. And he's in control. And so no matter what that may look like, we may lose perspective. It's like, you know, like the song we just sang, empty hands, feet that stumble, he can use it. And so I just want to encourage you guys this morning. Um, we've been going through that at our church, and so we definitely know um, what that looks like. We are here, and, and even in the midst of it, one of the times I know how God is moving is when I meet adversity a lot of the time. This week, I was trying to get ready. I was like, oh, I'm going to have tons of time. I don't have my three kids. I'm going to have a lot of time to prep. We get here, and we have a lot of things to go and do, and, and prayer for poor Dave is, is Miller's. He's out sick. And so um, we were going through all these different things, and we just wanted to, so that was one. I woke up this morning, and it was like, <laughs> okay, so there's allergies out here as well, and <coughs> some mucinex. So um, I apologize for my voice, because my voice usually sounds a lot more like this, so if you like this, it's... no. Um, uh, so those are some of the things. But I really wanted to talk about love and service, and, and it's kind of a, a two-piece uh, part of the sermon. And so love and service. And more specifically, there's a lot of different loves in the Bible. Um, you know, and, and even the way that we define love as a culture, we look at things and it's like, I love chocolate. You know, I met Joey and I was like, I love your Jordans, bro. 
And, and we were like sneakerheads at, at, at connection. But really, to understand our love with our Savior is a different kind of love. Because when you look at Jesus, I love my shoes, and, and, and I, I love my chocolate, but that doesn't equal how much I love my Savior. And so there's the, the element of love, and there's the element of service. And so I want to encourage you guys on those two fronts today. And um, <clears throat> so it's more of the teleo'o, Greek word, or agape love is what we're going to talk about. And that's the unconditional part. So agape love, or if you're just reading it, it looks like agape, not a grape. But definitely the definition, agape love is used by Christians to express the unconditional love of God for his children. And that's all of us. That's, that's kind of the disclaimer right there. It's all of us. It's even those that don't know that yet for all of his children. Agape love is made complete when it is shared with others. Right? So he's kind of the source, and it comes from him to us, and we help complete that in sharing that. And that's what we were talking about yesterday in the live love and going out, and whether that's with peeps, whether that's with weeded bubbles in our group or water bottles or however that looks for you guys, that you guys have that. So I want to jump into a verse uh, real quick. Um, we're going to be working out of First John 4, 9 through 12. Um, and so I'll read that collectively, and um, we will then kind of break some of those verses down in the first part of love and see what that looks like. Uh, I know you guys are a little bit more familiar with a passage a little bit after that that embodies one I saw on the You've Been Ambushed, the 416 verse. We're going to be looking at four, uh, 1 John 4, 9 through 12. Looks like this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Okay, so sending his son. 10. This is... <clears throat> Love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one, sorry, 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete. The completion of that in us. Okay, so some of the things I want you to look at here. We need to know his love, right? So he's kind of, in this uh, analogy, he is our source of supply. And he is where we're getting our strength from. You know, those moments that we were talking about when we're weak. He is that living stream. He is our source of supply. He is our rock. And so you have to be in relationship. You have to know his love. You have to rely on his love. He has to be the thing that gets you up and keeps you going. And we have to be in a relationship with God to share his love, right? Because if we don't have a source of supply, you know, if you don't have a, a stream that comes to you and your well runs dry and you have no way to replenish that, you're not going to be real effective as you go out and reach those people. And so knowing where that comes from. Um, so loving others is the completion of God's love. It can't start there, right? It, it's, it's, it's not us, it started from him. It starts with us coming into relationship with him, and agape love originates from God. So, um, one of the things, and I'm going to be a little more unconventional here with uh, the process today. I brought props. Hope you guys are okay with that. So, there's plates. 
And this plate is symbolic of, uh, it has a purpose. And its purpose is to be pretty. And this one happens to have lots of cool colors on it. And as a plate, its goal is to serve. And so at our house, um, when we're at home, Courtney has way better chocolate chip cookies. Um, In fact, people say I should weigh over 300 pounds, but I don't. Thank goodness. Today's illustration, I don't have uh, her homemade cookies, but I have a few of the uh, chewy cookies. So as a plate here, it's meant to serve. And so if I had this, I can come over and I can say, would you like a cookie? Absolutely. <laughs> Anybody else want a cookie? I mean, they're, they're, they're straight from this morning. Yeah, go ahead. It's, it's a cookie. You know, we, no, no, no bashfulness. Anybody else? Oh, yeah. Yeah, have a cookie. Go ahead. There you go. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Another one in the back? Sure. Absolutely. I, we, no, no, no time like the present. Don't be shy. We had a couple more. So this is the per... What? Oh, in the back. All the way. Yeah. Absolutely. Don't want to make the sound people mad. They may cut us off, and then I have to project. And So, um, oh, yeah. There you go. So this purpose of this plate is to serve, right? And that's a pretty easy example of how this is intended. Used properly, you know, the plate, if it was just there, if it didn't have the cookies on it, it would be a plate, but it wouldn't be effectively serving. And so this plate was doing its job. It was being used as it was created to be a service, to usher cookies to you guys in your, in your seats today. Now... Here's a problem with plates. Here's a problem with us, and here's a problem with what happens. Sometimes things come along, and life happens. I didn't do it. <laughs> yep. And, and life happens, and we become in need of a savior. And we become broken. And now, no longer a pretty plate. In fact, if we look at the plate and its intent and how it's supposed to serve, we still see some of the pieces, but now we're sharp. And we're shards. And if we don't have Jesus in us as that source to supply, we're now sharp shards. And sharp shards make that nasty sound. And they poke at each other. And they start to attack one another. And they cut each other. And they're not connected to God in the same way at which they were supposed to be. And so it's incredibly tough when we become broken to do it on our own. Because we're not equipped. And because of that. And so I see God as this ultimate super glue that there was a need of a Savior that there was no one else. And so in that, God seeks to be with us. To restore us to return us back to a perfect plate. So that we can, and it's not just good enough to be a plate again. Like, you know, if we're just a plate, now we can look at it and be like, oh, well, that's really good. You know, we can sit in these chairs on Sunday and be like, hey, I'm restored, I'm a plate again. At least I'm not those shards. Shards in the second row, right? And that is not the intent. 
The intent is to be restored to this with that source of supply. And that we have to be continuing to use that as a vessel, not just, oh, I'm not a shark, yay for me. Sharing God's love. Don't be broken shards. We were never intended to be shards. We were intended to be a plate. And God restores that through his son. And that was that first part in verse 9. So Jesus was sent to make us all whole and to make us a plate. But we are not serving and acting like a plate if we don't continue to reach out. We get stuck being shards. And God changes us to view ourselves as a whole restored plate. So there's five quick things I want to run through on this love part for you. Um, God's love is tangible, number one. It shows, uh, he showed his love openly by sending his son, right? He was open with that. It was a tangible thing he sent us. That's the equivalent of yesterday of maybe doing some peeps and sharing and going out. Something tangible, something easy. Um, so first, John 9, again, to take that verse back in the first one. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Tangible actions of love. Are, here's one way that we can kind of measure that. And I put this in. is: Are people talking about things you've done? And that can't be your motivation, but it can somewhat be a measuring stick of are you making a difference? And that's what Anita said. You know, when we were out with um, Keith uh, yesterday and Natasha, the person at the, the pizza shop was like, we're so glad you guys are here. And, and you would have never known that peeps could make a difference in someone's day, right? Like just sugary goodness was just running over for them. But those things are, are how you can kind of see, are people talking about it? Are you making a difference? It's not the motivation, right? That's not, that, that shouldn't be the intent, but it is a good sign sometimes to see if you're making an impact. Number two, God's love is proactive. So he goes ahead and he dresses that need. He sees that need before it happens. And so John 3.16, we're familiar with it. Obviously, a lot of sports people in here, you usually see it in the end zone, reads this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God's love was proactive. He did not wait for us. He sent his son into the world. Go into the world and understand their work so you can love them. If we don't understand Santan Valley, we can't reach Santan Valley. And you guys understand them very well. Number three, it prioritizes others above yourself. And that's tough. It's tough when you have all those different things that are vying for your time. That, especially when you're a mom or you're a dad and you have all these different things that are pulling at your time and these precious gifts. So it's not, you don't do it once again for their point of view. You don't do that under the mindset of, I want them to think I'm a good person. That shouldn't be your motivation. And it shouldn't just fit into your agenda. So it's, oh, well, I've got to go pick up my kids. And they do like a mentoring thing 15 minutes before they get out. So I'll just kind of do that. 
that might be missing the point a little bit as well. So why are you doing it? And what is the purpose? There's a fine line warning here that I want to warn you of. We think we are prioritizing others, but we are prioritizing ourselves. And so you have to look at some of those things as indicators. We want others to like us, and we watch where, and just watch where your heart is in it, and kind of check that. That's always, heart is, 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 is a difficult thing sometimes, and so you want to know where that is. Number four, God gives it without merit. That's the greatest news. Uh, God gives it freely. It is not based off of merit, or it isn't earned, right? And that's where some people get in, in denominations and different things. It's not a works. It was given. It's this gift. His love is not a, a response to our love, and it is not a trophy that can be earned. So he loves us, and it was without merit. Number five, it is given regardless of cost. Love has a cost as Jesus died for us. Let's look at verse 10 of that, First John four ten again. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. That's that starting point. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for all our sins. Jesus had to live a perfect life for us so that he could fulfill his love. I mean, do, you, do we really stop and think about that? Like, not only was this guy who died on the cross, this guy, being 33 years old, I don't want to tell you how many times I've messed up, lives a perfect life. His whole purpose in being here was to live a perfect life so that he could die for us. So it's not just, I'm going to go die someday, but until then I'm going to live this normal life and and I'm not going to repent from these things that I'm doing and I'm not going to... He lived every moment for each and every one of us. That's incredible. He lived for us and prioritizing uh, us over himself. 1 John 3.11 reads this. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Makes me think about the story uh, in Genesis. In Genesis 4, 1 through 8, we have Cain and Abel, right? And we see those things where it's kind of like, you see those phrases come from the Bible that people are familiar with, Am I my brother's keeper? And God's questioning, where's your brother? So here's another way that I would tell you to be careful. The basics of that story is that Cain was a farmer. And so he's planting, and and we have a lot of rural areas out here. So he does plants. And to make it easy, Abel was kind of a farmer of animals. In that, God, they both bring the offerings to God. God favors Abel's, but doesn't favor Cain's. So now you're seeing this guy that's harvested and, and, and put all this effort in. I mean, you guys know the soil, and the soil out here is hard sometimes, and you're putting it in, and you're planting, and now you've got to water it every day, and you hope that winter doesn't freeze it, or, or those kinds of things, and you have to put so much effort into a plant. And here's this guy who kind of just has to tend to his animals, make sure that they don't get hurt, And he doesn't find favor for all that effort. And he starts to get frustrated with God. And I think the phrase that I would get there is, we've said this in our own life, and this is what can distract us from the love. It's the phrase, or the phrase, it's not 
fair. And we can fall into that. Like, I went through all this, God. How did he have favor? How did this happen? And you may have found something in your life where, oh, me and this guy, we had the same thing, and he got the promotion, but I'm the one that does all the work. Or, why does she get to stay home with her kids, and she gets to love on them, and all I want to do is be a mommy, but I have to go to work. That's not fair. And that's another part that I would caution you for today, is it doesn't matter what that looks like, but when we think we are the victim in that scenario, we get something um, that we don't deserve. We harbor hate. And that's scary. That's kind of the thing. And God warns us uh, about anger and sin. We'll crouch at our door and devour you. It says here in, in Genesis 4-7, If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. So we're being warned. Being warned of what to do. God wants us to love without merit. Give up what's fair. We've talked about sports, but to stop keeping score. I mean, how many people, you don't have to raise your hand, but I know I am. How many people are glad that God doesn't keep score? Right? That's... That's one game that I don't really want to know what that tally looks like. And, and I'm sure someday I'll see it and be disappointed. <laughs> but it's so great that God doesn't do that. Don't hate as Cain did, leading him to kill Abel. Don't judge on how others treat you, but instead how God loves and treats you. Right? So, it, once again, we're going back to he was the source of supply, so it's not how others treat you, they're going to treat you bad. I wish that I could tell you, hey, when you become a believer, everything is hunky-dory, we're good to go. And In fact, you get a bullseye that makes things oftentimes tougher. But what you're equipped is with truth and a rock and a foundation that when those times do come, you can stand the adversity. Taking all of those points and putting them into one sentence reads like this. To love, or agape, is to proactively prioritize others in a tangible way, regardless of merit or cost. Right? So that we are being proactive in that. We're seeing those needs. We're putting a priority on those and in a tangible way, regardless of what, if it's warranted or not, and regardless of what that cost is. So, 1 John 9.10, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. That's a hate piece again. Anyone who loves his brother and sister lives in light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. I know that's tough to love everyone. That person, you know, we have some of those relationships and we have some of those friends that just... You have to prepare your heart before you go there because they, they drain at you. They, you're like, oh boy, I don't know if I can answer that. You may be one of those people that if we're being real, you get your cell phone, you're like, oh, they're calling. I'll get back to them. Not right now. Okay? Whoever hates is in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother and sister lives in the light. Live out of love, right? You guys call that live love. But live out of love. Serve. 
love others in action, and share that love, which is the completion of God's love. 1 John three seventeen through 18 If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love the words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Love in action and truth. It means for real. Love others. Go into their world, right? This leads me to sharing a little bit um, of how we show and what love, what does love in action look like? And so I'm going to run into the surf part here real quick. But if you don't go into their world, I mean, I think being our kids with our ages, it'd be like, I really want to make you lunch. And I'm going to show up at your house and you guys have kids. I made you lunch. And you're, what is it? Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And you look at me and you're like, my kids have peanut allergies. I didn't know your world, right? And so I didn't even know how to address I didn't take the time to give you a courtesy call and do those things. So what does serve look like? Now we kind of know what love is and how to share that with others. How do you serve? It is our goal to serve. And one of the analogies, as you guys are seeing here, I'm liking the opportunity to share some of these things with you. God's love is not a, a beanbag love. And it's not how you serve. It's not a one-time deal. You know, it's not... And we're glad for that. That it's not a one-time thing. Yeah, exactly. It's not a one-time event. You can't... You know, that's what I was talking about, going back to His love continually. It's not like, well, how do you know Jesus loves you? Well, I got saved... 42 years ago. It's like, you know, me saying, Courtney loves me. Well, how do you know? She said I do eight years ago, and we had a wedding. No, I know because we have a relationship that is ongoing. And so there's an action to it. And when I think of the action and there's the response to it, I think of a bouncy ball. And so there's an effort, but... It has to go somewhere, and you have to share it. That's the intent of it. We are meant to serve as Christ served. The image of being a plate, not a bunch of shards that poke at one another and bring each other down. And how do you complete that love? One of the things we're at at our church right now is we do Operation Give Voice. And it's an opportunity to highlight the ministries that we support because they're already doing God's Word. And to share how they are effectively being the gospel to other people. Um, I had a video that I wanted to share with you guys today as well. And so I, I want you to think about that. How can you share that love? How can you serve? I have um, a friend, Carl. I, this is how I'll set this up. A friend, Carl, who has a normal 9 to 5 job. And you may think, well, I'm really busy. I have a lot of things. I can't make this. I can't make this happen. It's just too much for me. I might fall off the stage. It's too much, right? And what Carl does is he uses a gift, a gift that God's given him, and a simple yes. And so let's go ahead and let's watch the video one and see how Carl uses that. My first 11 years as an adult, I was in the Air Force. 
Everywhere I went, I took a camera, and I was always taking pictures, whether it was underwater or above water, always having fun, everywhere I went. Uh, my name is Carla Koss. Um, I work in the telecom industry, and I have 25 employees that work for me. That's my full-time job. Um, my passion is photography. Um, I have the great pleasure to actually travel around the whole world shooting whatever I see. It's called the sights and sounds. I was leading a youth team down in Nicaragua, down in uh, La Chureca. I was on getting ready to go, so I was getting ready to depart, and um, one of the agencies said to me, he says, hey, I, you're taking a camera, right? And I said, sure. And he says, get a picture for me and make sure it's the eyes. And all of a sudden, something clicked in my brain, and I went, whoa, wait a minute. I think I get exactly what you're saying. When they do their fundraisers, they were blowing up the pictures of the children around the room, the banquet room. So then my next trip going down to Nicaragua, I said, hey, I'm going back down again. Is there something you want? And they said, yes, we need a follow-up story, please. We need a follow-up. Somebody's donated some money for a water well. We need pictures of that water well to show the people what they have purchased or that they've donated their money for. Recently, in the past couple of years, I've been uh, pretty passionate about human trafficking in Mumbai. Um, it's really just a sad state there. The children that, that we get to work with within the ministries and, and try to rescue them, we bring them in and get them um, kind of just reinstated into normal life. You think, you think you're blessing somebody when they're actually blessing you, and then you know, when you come home, you go, wow, I just went somewhere where they don't even have running water. Through God, through these trips, I change every time I go on one of these. I have been on so many trips, and I always see something different, take in something different, bring something home different, and just can't, you know, I don't take anything for granted anymore. I just, I can't. I'm, I'm just not, when, when I go on a mission, as a, I'm just not a photographer or videographer. I'm, I'm an ambassador for Christ, and I have to represent Him and show love. That's great. I love how Carl can use that simple gift. And it's a little more complicated because he does photography and and he has some different things. But just a camera and a yes, that God could use that. And what Carl does is he uses photography and it allows him to tell a story that many of us would never know if he didn't. Through the camera lens, he can recreate what is happening over there and gives us some insight to how that works, that how things are being completely changed over there in that need. One thing I want to say is that Jesus is always our measuring stick. Not someone sitting in, like I was saying, in the the row next to us. The church is full of way too many people that say, well, I've got a few sins in my life, but at least I'm not like such and such. And so and so. So, my life may be messed up, but it's not a train wreck or a tragedy like them. And that's not what God intended. Jesus is always our measuring stick. Mark ten forty three through 45 says this, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life is a ransom for many. That's simple. It's Jesus' mission statement. If we were a business, that's his goal. That's where he's coming. 
He's dying for us. That is our measuring stick. That is Jesus. That is what he did. He served. Our measuring stick is Christ and Christ alone. It is not another brother or sister, as our salvation is not based upon that person, but upon that cross. Service is one of those things. It's defined as the action of helping or doing work for someone. Once again, I would also, biblically speaking, put in what is the intent? What is your heart? Examples of service. We talked about Christ and washing the disciples' feet. After the final supper, he gets up, gets into an act of service, ties the towel around him, and goes around and starts washing the people's feet. It's a very great illustration of service. And if you can think back to that time, the way that they were traveling in a in a dirt society, and when you leave a town shaking your dust off your sandals kind of moment, just how dirty people's feet were, how humbling that is for a Savior to get down and wash someone's feet. I've always remembered that, and when I felt called, I'm going to share a little personal story so you guys get a chance to know a little bit about me and Courtney. When I knew Courtney was going to be the one that I was going to marry, I had to go through a lot of planning to make sure at the time I was still out in Washington, and she was living in Nashville, Tennessee. And so I went through all the proper channels to make sure her sisters were there, her dad was there, that I asked for his approval and her hand in marriage. And and so it came down to one night. Now, it's just south of Nashville in this town called Spring Hill, and it reminds us a lot of this. So we went, the first date we went on was opening night at Applebee's in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Yeah. I know you guys don't rejoice when you guys get things like that out here, but we did. And so it was the first time we got it, and we had uh, an opportunity on our first date to have a dessert and just fellowship, look at each other's eyes, and have sweets with our sweetie. And really, she thought, well, honey, let's just go ahead and let's have a separate time where we can just go away and we can have, you know, some alone time. Let's go to our favorite place. Let's go to Applebee's where it all started. And so we were going to Applebee's and I said, let's go back to your apartment real quick. She was living with one of her sisters at the time. Her twin sister lived down the road and, and a couple other things. And, and so her, her oldest sister had the bedroom in the back in the apartment that has the bathroom with it, kind of the master one. And, and I I apologize because I'm about to tell you a bathroom story. I asked for permission with my wife, so she's wiser discernment. So I, I, I said, I, I need to use the bathroom, honey. And she was like, okay, well, don't tell me. Just go. Just just get in there. Do, do what you got. So after I'm in there for a while, and and I'm looking, and I'm, I'm getting everything, and, 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 and then finally I, I come out. And she was like waiting there, you know, the, kind of one of those poses where, where someone like sits on the, the edge of the couch. They kind of have their purse like draped over their shoulder like, are you ready? And I walk out into that. And then I say, hey, I need you to come here real quick. And she looks at me like, what? You were just in there a long time. I'm pretty sure I don't want to go in there. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Come on. Come in here. She's like, she relents. And she comes in. And I have a chair sitting next to the bathtub. And I have 
the whole bathroom looks like the old candle stores that they had like illuminations and it's like a whole convention of candles. And during that time I was lighting all of those candles and transforming a bathroom. And I handed her a Bible, the exact same one that I have here today, but it said Courtney instead of her maiden name, it said my last name. It said Samuelu. And so I asked her, babe, will you marry me? And she opened it and was, <gasps> and in it, on this little part here where you have your uh, bookmark, I tied off her ring. I put it on Proverbs 18.22. And it says, when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing. Fellas, just so that we all get out of here and before we go to the Franks and before all those arguments start, just nod your head and say, yes, honey. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and I asked her, honey, I don't know what this looks like. I don't know if this means that we're in Washington. Maybe someday we end up in Arizona. Maybe something happens. But I feel called to serve. And so if you decide to embark upon this with me, my service has to start with you. And I need to wash your feet. And I need you to sit in this chair, put your feet in this bathtub, and I need to do this. And I need you to know wherever we go that you have to be there with me. And so that's a little story about not only how Christ has worked, but that's a little story that's maybe not as scary as at first thought of uh, in our life. Everybody says we should do service, but when was the last time that you did? When was the last time that you served at one or in the community? prioritizing others above yourself. Now, we had Live Love, and, you know, when I got here, I also saw this uh, opportunity, how you can get involved, um, and different things like, what do you do? I'm a leader. I enjoy meeting new people. I know that in churches and around the country, it used to be considered the 80-20 rule, like 20% of the people did 80% of work. It seems to keep sliding the wrong way. It's like now 10% of the people do 90% of the work. So I know that there's people. I know that you guys have a setup like this. Maybe that's one way that you can help serve. That you can help. Now, thank goodness for spring breaks that we don't have a chance to tear down today. But maybe that's some way that you can serve if you're sitting. Okay, TJ, how do you serve? Live love examples. There was a lot of people that proactively prioritized others in a tangible way. They may have been having a bad day. They may have been at that bank uh, that was right there. They may have been waiting at that DMV. I mean, if you've ever been to the DMV, that's enough cause right there to just cause you to have a bad day. And just a special, you know, we, there was a lady that was just sitting next to the pool there with like her phone just like, and to just give her peeps and to see her face kind of light up with a one card that says you've been ambushed. Maybe that's some way that you can do that, just prioritizing someone. Not to serve <clears throat> through your spiritual gifts is robbing others, specifically in your case, this county of, in this community of Santan of seeing the love of God. You know, I think of, I walked down earlier, I got to see the big ones, the little ones, the onesies, and all the difference in between. I think of a little Sunday school song, like, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Are you letting it shine? Hide it under a bushel? 
No, I'm going to let it shine, right? I see kids doing that, and that's such an encouraging thing. I've seen when Christ talks about the least of these and the children, and I see that passion at which they serve with. So if you have a gift that God's equipped you with and you're not using it, you're robbing others of seeing your Creator through you. Get the focus off yourself long enough to see the need and address them. So you have to stop what you're doing to see that that person can be in need so you can address it. If you keep being on yourself, it's tough. And even in ministry, you get this. It's tunnel vision. It's like doing, uh, working in the field, and you get tunnel vision. You're just like, oh, I have this. I'm doing this. Why isn't this working? Where are the other people at? Why am I the only one working at this project? And then when you can pull up from that, you look around, and you see other people in the harvest field, right? When I came down here, I see that. I see people like Jim Davey. I see people like Rusty Acres that are in the valley that are trying to reach out to other people. And that's encouraging because, oh, there's my brother. He's over in Maricopa. There's my brother. He's at North Hills. And you guys can see that, and that's encouraging. It's a perspective. And one of the ways that I address that, and I share that, is the thumb. It's my thumb perspective. If it's right here in front of my eye, if I choose to focus on it, if it becomes the only thing that I can see that it consumes me, Right now, it's about 90% of all that I can see. It's just right there. I can only pretty much see my my thumb and a few things outside of it. If I can gain perspective, I can move that thumb out. And it's the same thumb. I didn't do any magical trick. I didn't hit it with a hammer and make it disappear. It's the same size thumb. It's still there. But gaining that perspective and serving others, it's now maybe 10% of what I can see. And that's what you can get through service is that fresh perspective. When you go over, as Carl was talking about in the video, and you see someone that doesn't even have electricity, and you have those different things. When I have a pain in my back, I got in a car wreck and told my car a year ago, and then I see my old senior pastor, Don Doe, walk with a cane. Boy, that doesn't make my back feel like, oh. People have different perspective, and sometimes we don't get a chance to look at that. It's that dying to self with placing others above yourself, regardless, once again, of merit or cost. He didn't earn it, because that's how God does it. We didn't. We can't earn it. Remember, it's not a trophy, but he gave it, even himself. So how can we serve? Serving comes in many different gifts. 1 Peter 4, 10-11 Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. So we have gifts in this room. To serve others as a faithful steward of God's grace in its various forms. Now we're not a bunch of eyes. We're not a bunch of ears. We're not a bunch of noses. We're not a bunch of hands. Together, this makes up a body collectively of one. And that's why we need everybody to help out. Continuing on, verse 11. If anyone speaks, they should speak as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that all things God, all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I love that part in there where it says, do so with the strength of God. That's another excuse sometimes that we have, like, I'm just too tired. I can't. And that's when God can show up. 
is when I don't have enough opportunity to do this and I don't have enough strength. I can't make this work. And God can step in and make the difference. Oftentimes, it's referred to as the three T's. Time, talent, treasure. We know what treasure looks like and sometimes even in a small church or in a recession or things that we've just gone through, the treasure's hard. There's not a lot there. What I'm talking about is also not just that, because that is important. And it's a part that gets that perspective, putting others in front of yourself and sharing God. But what can you do with your time? What can you do with your talent? You have one. One way that you can assess that is saying, what and how will you use it? says, what are you good at? What are you passionate about? And what do you enjoy? Because they're all different. And there might be something that you like, maybe like a photography, like in Carl's case, but he still works at 9 to 5. Now, Sarah did that effectively with the band by singing today. I would not be using Sarah's gift if I came up here to preach today and I just started going, For God so loved the world that he gave it You'd be like, you are ruining her gift, bro. Get off the stage. Get off the stage. So how can you use that? Think about that this week. Think about how God has equipped you. How can you use those gifts? Think about how you can use those talents. How great of an impact if we had a yes accompanied with our gift that God could change this county, this country, and this world for him. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. 1 John 4, 16. It's on the bottom of your guys' ambush cards. Recap. With the plate fulfilling its purpose to serve others. Sharing God's love. Don't be those broken shards. When you do get broken, and you will at points, press into that source of supply. Don't get sharp. Don't, don't give it credence. Don't give it legs. Don't allow it to be sharp at one another. You were never intended to be a shard. That's not what Christ had for you. You were intended to be a plate. And God restores that through his son, Jesus. And Jesus was sent to us to make us whole and to change our view, to see ourselves as a whole restored plate so that we can go out and serve. Now, at this time, I'll invite the worship team to come back up and they're going to um, share a song with you guys. Um, you guys are probably familiar with it. You guys have sung it before. I'm, I know you have. Um, but the song is Oceans. And the song is... Remember, when you're looking at the imagery of this song, you're seeing Christ call the disciple to reach out and to walk on the water. And how scary that could be as the waves come up in our lives. And as these things happen, look at the words. In the first verse, it says, You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown, where feet may fail. There's uncertainty. And there I find you in the mystery. In oceans deep, my faith will stand. 
I'm so glad that our God is not a God that keeps score. He's a God of provisions that meets our needs and and loves on us. And so as we get a chance to sing this song, and and then I'll come back up and and get a chance to pray, and, and then Sarah will lead us out with the rest of the service. But hear these words. Let them resonate in you. Think of your Savior. Think of those gifts. and Think of those times.